Hello, welcome to Enlightened Empath with Samantha and Denise. We're so happy that you're joining us once again this week. Denise and I um, have so enjoyed connecting with you all on our Facebook page. We hope if any of you listening haven't joined Facebook that you will because it's just a really easy, quick, and nice way to connect with like-minded people and for Denise and I to hear your feedback. Um, wanted to say once again, thank you for putting up with us through our audio difficulties and we heard from you all that last week's episode recorded smoothly so we're very very happy and fingers crossed that this one does as well right Denise exactly yes <laughs> um and kudos to Denise because she's the one who helped handle 99.9 percent of that while I just sat by and said I hope it works <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, so this week we are talking about money and the empath. Money is such an important issue in our culture, and it is such a taboo issue all at the same time. And I feel that that is especially heightened for the empath, who typically has a hard time manifesting abundance of money for lots of different reasons that Denise and I are going to spend the hour sharing and talking with you all about. So we have a lot of notes and a lot of points that we want to cover. Before we jump in, I just wanted to start with a big caveat that everything I'm going to say, at least for me, I won't speak for you, Denise, um, is stuff I'm still learning. I'm not, I am not speaking to you all today going, yes, I've had all those issues and I've worked through them and here's how you can too. No, I'm speaking to you saying, these are all the issues that empaths have and I'm working on them too. I agree a thousand percent with that. Yes, that we're all a work in progress and it's three steps forward and two back on every single topic that we've talked about so far. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's important though, just to you know, just to talk about it, just to, um, just to recognize it, because sometimes when we just bring light to a situation that we're struggling with inside, that in and of itself begins the healing. It also is, um, a couple people have asked about a closed group on Facebook, and I think that's a huge part of what our in original intention was and what we're trying to do now is bringing each other together, finding each other and sharing where we are on our path so that we can be supportive and encouraging. And, and for me, sometimes just knowing someone else understands what it's like to feel going through these situations is really enough. I agree. I agree. It definitely can be. So um, one of the, if you, if you don't mind, I wanted to start our money discussion, um, specifically almost like a timeline and then kind of go out to more general concepts about money. So rather than, I feel like usually we start with general concepts and get more specific. I'd like to start with a specific topic and go out. And I wanted to start with childhood crap. <laughs> <laughs> Always a favorite. Always a favorite. I think when we're talking about manifesting money for anyone, whether you're an empath or, you know, you barely feel anything at all, our childhood is where we learn our beliefs about everything. It's, it's the foundation. It's the root of where everything starts for us. And so I think if we are looking at money with fear or awe or something that we want or have but don't have enough of, I think we all need to go back to our childhood and start to look at what are some of the lessons that our parents taught us on purpose or inadvertently about money. And when you start to really think about how did my parents handle money? What did they teach me about money? Were we allowed to talk about money? What was I told about work? Did my parents always say, you know, you have to work hard? Um, was money given to me freely where I didn't learn to appreciate or value it? So I think as you go through this week, it will be really important to start to embrace money by first embracing how you were first introduced to money as a child. And I think it's important to note you can shift that. You, you, you don't have to stay stuck with that paradigm for the whole time you're on the planet. Totally. I think that sentence is true of everything we're talking about on this whole podcast, right? Yes. Yeah, I agree. 
So I think it's important to look at uh, how did your parents value money? How did they, what did they spend their money on? What did they tell you about you and, and your worth with money? Like, were you the kid that always got the hand-me-downs? Um, were you told that you could only receive on Christmas and birthdays? Uh, were you told that wealthy people are selfish or greedy? Because a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of parents will uh, see themselves as blue collar or lower class or lower middle class. And in order to protect themselves in that position, they tend to project their anger and blame on the upper class by putting them down and saying that they're selfish and greedy and awful. And then when their child, and they, then they put all their hopes and expectations on their child, you will get the college degree, you will get the graduate degree, you will rise up to the new class. Well, that kid's getting a subconscious mixed message, right? You will do better than mom and dad. But in doing better, that means you're going to become selfish and greedy. And then that kid is like, wait, why can't I manifest this success? Well, there you go. And another flip side to that is if you're the person who is wired a little bit differently and you grow up in a working class family and where where the trades, where... uh, you know, that lifestyle is is seen as very valuable and you go into a more um, academic or prof- different type of profession, it may not be as celebrated as if you had stayed where you grew up. That it's almost seen so as a, a um, what's the word I want? Not a defiance, but a um, like you've sold out. Yes. And, and, and that is a, such, um, you know, I'm seeing eggshells with that, like walking on eggshells because you don't want to, dismiss what you grew up with or or what you were taught to honor but you also know that you can't stay in that same place or it doesn't resonate for who you are as a person yes but very difficult i have a friend who was raised in a very um low-income family and she was incredibly smart and went on to college and got an amazing job and and married a, a husband who was just as successful as as she and came from a very wealthy family well she she put, um, she lives in this ginormous home outside of the city and I'm sorry, New York city. And, um, she put like a $150,000 pool in her backyard. Can you imagine Denise? Wow. Like with that, would you just not love to be able to do that? I mean, she, <laughs> I just, I look at that. She sent me pictures and I was like, that's lovely. You know, there's just all that stonework and there's a waterfall and there's a you know, a fireplace and an outdoor kitchen and this pool and this, that's amazing. Well, she has not invited her parents to come see it or has, and hasn't even told them about it. She's terrified to tell them because she's, she knows they're going to ridicule her for spending that money. I, and I understand that on a core level, who the hell do you think you are? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's a big, big deal. I, I can't say that enough because you don't, it's almost there's such a sense of guilt or um, I went on <laughs> I went on a, a trip one time with a friend and I didn't tell my mother I went because I knew she'd be angry that anyway it's funny how the money thing works if you grow up in where we're working class or and the other piece I want to go back a minute as far as that um, because that is where I grew up I grew up working class and I, I value that and I you know no regrets, no, no, anything about that, no judgment. But the other piece is that, um, and sometimes it's real and sometimes it's perceived because the, the people who are are doing it, the, the trades are the people you call to fix things, to take care of things, to make it okay. And at times there's been a, almost a deference to just, just call him, he'll take care of it. And it is either intentionally or subtly, um, dismissive keeps coming to mind, but, but it, it accentuates that, that difference in um, economic station, mm. even though nowadays, if, if you have, if you're a plumber, you're a lot better off than you are being a teacher or an entry level job. So it's fluctuating. Things are shifting in a new directions where there's more uh, financial equality between the trades and a more so-called professional jobs. Kind of went off on a rant on that. Well, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned plumber. I had a plumber to my house last night and he was so helpful. 
And he ended up staying till like 7.30 because he was there. And I was like, you know, while you're here, could you look at my... <laughs> and he was so nice, but I just, I needed little screws tightened on my shower head and things like that. Anyway, so we were just talking and, um, and I said, I said, text me. I said, what, what is your wife's number? I have to text her that like, I'll send you home with dinner. Cause I felt so bad that he was here till like seven o'clock, you know? So we were just laughing and talking and, and, um, I said, do they, do they pay you for overtime? And he was like, no. And anyway, turns out he got his degree in marine biology but he couldn't find a job in it. So he became a plumber. And I said, are you happy with that? And he said, well, my love will always be with the ocean, but this pays the bills. And I thought, huh, you know, huh. I don't, I don't know. I mean, that makes me sad. I have another good friend. She has her master's in marine biology and she couldn't acquire a job that she wanted in marine biology either, but she created one. She created this whole 12 week course on learning about the ocean and the animals and the, and the, the shell life and all of it. And she presented it to every single preschool, elementary, middle and high school in a one hour radius of where she lives. And she now makes her living going around to schools, teaching this after school class. So I think there's also an energy of if you really want to do something and you love something, you can find a way. But he chose plumbing and he makes a really great living and he provides really well for his family and he helps people like nobody's business. I mean, he stayed at my house for hours helping me with my issue. Right. And it, and again, th thank you for bringing that up because it's not a matter of intelligence. It's not a, um, you know, and it's interesting to hear perspective from, from uh, my, one of my sons has a friend who has grown up very comfortable financially and he, really believes in his heart, people choose to stay at that level because they don't work hard enough. Or, you know, if someone is in a, a lower income and he, he just can't wrap his head around the fact of circumstances or, you know, things that happen to folks, he just, he, he's not, he's never experienced it or had that um, presented to him in that way. And my son was trying to explain to him, he said, no, people don't choose that. Sometimes things happen or there are, you know, there are other circumstances. It's not that they don't want to better themselves or have more things or whatever the standard is for, for success. And, and um, you, you know what I'm saying with that? Yeah, um, I do. But Well, I think there's a flip side to this, too. I think some people are raised with this um, unearned feeling towards money where everything is just handed to them. Everything is taken care of for them. Yes. And then they get out into the real world and suddenly nobody's handing them paychecks for sitting there and, and looking pretty and they get shocked and upset and hurt. And so I think that can be just as damaging as, you know, some of the other stuff we've been talking about. And so I think, again, look at were you just handed stuff? Were you just handed, you know, brand new clothes and a brand new car? And were you never taught how to save money, how to work for money, how to appreciate money, how to value money, how to make money grow? Was it just always there for you? And are you going through life now in a constant temper tantrum that it's no longer just there for you? And and to and look the, at that. And the piece with that, that that's, this segues beautifully into Money is energy. It's about exchange of energy. And as empaths, because we do feel things so deeply, there is going to be a, a, an interesting um, energetic and emotional connection with, with finances and wealth and prosperity. Everything is energy, especially money. Well, I shouldn't say especially money, but in, including money. And the money with which you, the energy with which you have money, is going to tell you whether you're going to keep it or lose it. That's why I think so many, you always see those shows and those lottery winners who blow through their money. I think the reason why they do is because they're they're going through life with a subconscious message, instruction to the universe, I am not worthy, I don't deserve this, which is why they just blow through it. Whereas, which goes back to that family of origin stuff of life yeah. is a struggle. You work really hard. There's never enough. They get it, we don't. Or... It, it, that it all links together 
And until you do your work with your family of origin stuff or your old tapes that you have in your head, or if in another piece of this, if you've been in a either a codependent or a relationship where you had to be the person who took care of everything financially to be able to get on the other side of that and realize that it's not your, your, your purpose to financially take care of the world. Yes. That's an important one, isn't it? It is. And sometimes I think we're we're raised with, um, differing views about money that can create conflict within us where one parent believes one thing and another believes something totally separate. And I think that can be hard for a child to process into adulthood. Yes. I work with, well, there's an older gentleman that I know and he and his wife and she's always been, he's frugal to beat the band and she's very much a spender. And now they're in a situation, they're much older, they're at retirement age and past that. And he's uh, he's always been the person to go out and she has just now he's home and he's seeing he and he, he was funny because they were both standing there he said denise he said i don't know why she needs all this stuff she, every corner of the house there's some that ups truck never stops and i <laughs> <laughs> and he just the look on his face because this man is almost 80 and the look on his face was absolute disbelief that he it was so extreme from where he would you know, raise some chickens, grow a garden, go to work, save every penny. And she's just like, oh, no, Amazon.com, let's go. And so you're right. that And their kids have those mixed messages who are grown adults now. But And one emulates the dad and one emulates the mom. So lots of confusion. My um, middle schooler is finishing up middle school at the end of this year. And so they have to create quotes for their yearbook. And there's one very nice but very spoiled little girl in her class who is actually considering a yearbook quote that says, it is not a happy day unless a package arrives from Amazon. Oh, my goodness. Yep. I know. Um, (laughs) I was raised with a lot of mixed messages about money. When I was young, my father was still actively drinking. So he was very successful in the world of advertising and marketing, but because of his drinking, he would lose those jobs pretty quickly. So money was very up and down when I was growing up. So we always had it, but it was always precarious. Like, are we going to keep this job? Are we going to, you know? And then once he quit drinking, um, he became incredibly successful and he did very well. So I had that dichotomy in my upbringing. My mom was raised in a lot of frugality, you know, through the depression and all of that. And she never lost that. And so there were just always these mixed messages coming at me. We lived in this beautiful home in Connecticut. My dad had an apartment in the city. I did a lot of extravagant things. And yet my mom drove me to the mall three days a week, the second I turned 15, so I could work and earn my own money. Um, she had like an interior decorator for the main floor of the house, but upstairs was like uh-huh. no man's land. You know, it was like whatever comforter you could stick on your bed. So that was a message I got too. You know what I mean? Like appearances matter, but you know, your person, I, I, for me, like my kids' bedrooms, that's, that's so important to me. That's one of the first things I decorated my, in my house whenever they moved to a different stage of their life. And I let them pick it out you know, because I know as a kid growing up, when you're not allowed to have that expression, that's really, really telling and really, really important. Um, so I got a lot of mixed messages. My mom was always like, she would always say, we can't afford that. Or you didn't get good enough grades this semester. It was always an earning thing. Whereas my dad, he'd throw money at me all the time. And I'd say, dad, you can't, don't do that. You can't buy me that. Or you can't, you know, don't, it's too much. And he would always say to me, Samantha, why do I work so hard? And I'd say, I don't, I don't know why. And he'd go, because to make money. And why do I make money? To spend it. So enjoy. Wow. <laughs> and my dad never saved one dime for any of our college educations. And yet every time my, my sisters and I went to college for each time, he had the money ready. I don't, I don't know how he did it, but he had very free flowing attitude of, I work to, to make money and I make money to spend it. 
And my dad retired at 55 and he is now 77 and has never worked another day. He lives off his investments and everything that he worked so hard to achieve. Whereas my mom is still living with him, counting all her dimes. And I'm like, mom, we can't bury you (laughs) with that money. Like just enjoy. So it's hard to get past those, those mixed messages. And and at, at the other end, of, yes, it, it's incredibly hard to get past that. And also, your dad had that whole thing. There's always more. There's always enough. I'll, you know, he he was when you said in the flow. That's a perfect way to put it. And that's a huge part of it. When we go jump back to this being about energy, and when you stop up energy, that's the problem. But when you let it flow and you see it as there's enough to go around there, and get out of that lack mentality. Um, and I'm really frugal as well, but I think another thing we have to, to say, because there are, and, you know, been there, done that so many times in my life is when you're worried about basic needs, when you're worried about, will I, you know, and it might even be down to that level of, are they going to shut off my electricity or, you know, I, I don't, I can't find a job or the holidays are coming and my, I don't have enough to give to my children. That's another whole thing that someone, if, if you're listening to this and that's where you are in your life right now, and, and it, it kind of can hit a chord and you're saying, you don't get it. I don't have it. I don't have those options. Just from honestly, from it is such a huge part of a mindset. And it's also about getting, I'm going to swear for a minute. So sorry, getting the hell out of the way and letting this happen and trusting that you will, there is enough, there is more there. You, it will you have to get out of that. It's about money and get into the fact that it's about abundance and prosperity. Well, you know, I would love to do a show. Let's make a note of this, Denise. I would love to do a show on couples, each other's manifesting out. Oh, oh, that would be fun. I firmly believe that my dad would have been even more successful if my mom weren't behind him shutting off the lights so he wouldn't waste energy or reminding him that, they can't afford that vacation this year because they have to save for retirement or do you know what I mean? And so I've always wondered, does that cancel out what you're trying to manifest? Oh, I think that would be a fun show. Yes. But yes, I think you're right that getting into that, that energy of flow, but the key word to me that you mentioned when you just talking was trust, trusting that the universe is abundant. You know, who writes beautifully on that whole idea of money and flow and trust is Wayne Dyer. Yes. And he has that wonderful quote, and I'm probably going to mess it up, but I like the way I remember it. So forgive me if I remember it incorrectly. (laughs) But he says that money is like the ocean. It is that abundant. And yet each of us is going to the ocean with a teaspoon. Yes. And I don't know if that's the exact quote, but I love it. And he also, did you ever read where he, um, or hear him speak and he said he bought this new expensive suit and then he cut the pockets out of the, so he said, because you, you exactly what you did, you can't take it with you. So he had this, this brand new suit and he just cut the pocket, the holes in the bottoms of the pockets and someone gave him grief about it. And he said, no, that's a daily reminder to me that no matter how much I have, it really isn't what's important. No. And, and I think that that's really another piece to this is finding that balance because we're so bombarded constantly with um, the media and everything about you need this to be to be that as far as if you you haven't achieved this level financially, then you're not in this echelon or, or however you want to look at it, or you need this phone or you need this um all of those those messages that we're getting. But the other part is, and I, I thank my father every single day for this, he would say, Denise, don't ever forget to, to acknowledge that it's a beautiful day. Or we'd be working, I, you know, I worked on the boat with him, I've shared that. And he'd just stop and he'd say, look how beautiful that sunset is. And, and I just think that's that other piece that if you're raising little people, or even if you're that place now struggling just don't make it so much about money and resources and finances that you forget that, that there's so much more involved in this game. Oh, what a beautiful gift your father gave you. I just love Every day I'm grateful. Oh, I love your stories about your dad. Um, Yeah, I think that is so true. There's so much more to life than money. And yet you and I have both been in positions where it sure as hell doesn't feel like that when you've got to come up with money to pay the car payment that month. So it's, 
it's hard to get out of that mindset, but it's important to have that reminder and to trust. I, I have a really good friend. Oh, she's so nice. And she was, um, going through a terrible divorce. Her husband cheated on her in the worst, most obvious way possible and was then turned around and was such a jerk about it. And in our lovely state of North Carolina, which I say with tongue in cheek, when you're, when you're going through a separation, they make you separate for a year. And during that year, the guy does not have to pay you a lick of child support or alimony or anything. So for that year, even though he did her wrong, let me tell you people, he did her dirty, he left her and didn't pay her or the kids any money. So I just felt my heart went out to her for for just that alone. So anyway, one she she and she never told any. You know you know those people who are always happy and never complain. I I can never be like mm-hmm. that. Like if I'm going through something, you will all know. Like I will tell everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but she suffered through a lot of this alone. And so in hindsight, she told me this story that one night she was sitting there on the floor crying to God because she could either pay her car bill that month, buy groceries for her two kids. And that's a crappy place to be. And she didn't, you know, she, and she's proud. And her, her dad was, um, he had just gotten through stage three cancer. She didn't want to ask him for money. Her mom had already passed. Like she was just, she was just stuck. And so she just, she's crying. She's drinking wine. She's looking at this bill. You know, when you just have that like effort moment and she just started to laugh Mm -hmm. and she was like, you know what, God, I don't even know. I don't even care. I give this to you. And she just kind of fell asleep that night morning she gets up and checks her mailbox well like I want to say 15 16 17 years before this event she had acted in one commercial and it was a big it was like Pepsi or Mm Coca-Cola but it was her only only acting gig she'd ever done that was it one and done she goes to her mailbox less than 12 hours after praying to God and there is a check a residual check in the mail from that commercial because they had forgotten to pay her residuals and it was enough to get her through not that one month, but three months. Isn't that amazing? Oh, oh I love and I, that. I feel like that's what happens when we surrender and just say, I can't do this, God, you know, you do, you do this. And I don't, you know, if you, if you don't pray to God, whatever your higher power is, we have to surrender to something higher than ourselves, the creator that created us, that force, that flow of energy. And something magical happens when we do that. Okay. I, if you don't mind, I want to shift to talking about, um, okay, so now we've gotten through our childhood beliefs. Now we're adulthoods and we're trying to earn our own money and we're earning money, but it's never enough. It's never what we want. How do we start to shift that as an empath? Uh, To me, it comes down to seeing money as as an exchange of energy rather than, am I really worth that much an hour? Am I really worth that salary? Do I really ask for that? Do I do I really need to bother my boss about this raise? You know, seeing that as this exchange or then um, a bottom line black and white figure on a piece of paper. Yes. And and the, the benchmark of what is enough so that, and I've been very honest about this, that, you know, my, my goal for the past several years is I want to be out of the financial debt from raising my sons alone. And that that's good, bad, or indifferent. And but then once you get into that that work mode and you're generating income and that becomes your your primary focus, when do you decide? Okay, that piece is done. This piece is done. I have these. When do you decide this is what I, I have enough and and I can step back a little bit? Um, because it, I guess that's a for for some people that might be the hundred and fifty thousand dollar pool in the backyard. For other people, it might be I'm two months ahead. So if something happens, I can pay my bills without worrying. So it, that's a very personal, personal benchmark for someone of, of what your comfort level is with that. Oh, that's a really good point. Um, and I think it's also, um, what else? We, I, this had come to me, we talked about this before the show, is as empaths, and I, I just it had never thought about it in this way before, we... Um, if we're if we've attracted narcissists or or those types of situations into our life where there's a lot of control and power and as a society or as a culture 
that's often what is equated with money. It's about control. It's about power. Who has the money makes the decisions. So I think even getting to that core level on realizing that once you own your, you you find your own self-worth and you find your own, you, you align more with your own inner self and purpose, it makes the the generating the income or or saving the money or having enough yes easier yes exactly and i think whatever whatever number you have in your head that's enough i would say to the empath double that because <laughs> <laughs> most empaths tend to undervalue themselves and that can be really really tricky um so i think it's important to to try to switch that up which goes back to the charging for services or charging for what you're worth. Yes, yes. And that is it, so many folks in, and I'm sure we have many, many people listening to this, and, and you and I have discussed this, of um, what is putting a value on, and it does tie in with the self-worth, and it does tie in with if you're in a rural place, your market value might be a little bit different than if you're in New York City or L.A., um, so I'd love your your viewpoints on that because we've we've chatted about that. I have so many viewpoints on that. Uh, when I started out, <laughs> when I started out um, as an intuitive in charging, I took what I made as a teacher an hour. I figured out what I made as a teacher per hour, and that's what I charged. And I thought that was very fair. You know, I worked hard for my master's degree. I worked hard for that hourly wage. I felt it was good enough for teaching. I so I figured it was good enough for giving readings, which was fun and exciting and, uh, I don't know, an honor to do. You know, it was weird to charge in the first place. Um, and so I charged a rate and all the other intuitives in town started calling me and yelling that I was undercharging, undercutting their prices. And I remember thinking, what? Like, I, I didn't even think about what do you charge? What do I, I, I didn't even think about that. And so it was a big wake-up call to me that I had a lot of issues with charging money for doing spiritual work. And I would hear it, my own sisters said to me, how charge for this work if it's a God-given talent? And I said to them, well, should Tiger Woods play golf for free then? Because that's a God-given talent. You know, should LeBron James be bouncing that ball up and down the court for free? Because that's a God-given talent. And that, I, I think we really, we need to talk, talk about that just for a second in the sense of, I mean, we both do a lot of readings. We work with a, a wide variety of people, but every so often I will do a reading and someone either doesn't want to pay or they'll they'll give me that speech on, um, this, this is supposed to be just an energy exchange. You shouldn't be charging money for this. And for a long time, I bought into it and I felt terrible, and, and this is about spirit, and it's about kindness, and throwing the empath piece is, you know, we don't want to muddy the waters, but then I realized that if this is what you're, there has to be an energy exchange, and that energy is financial for, and I do barter, and I do trade, and I do do other things with folks, I'm not saying that, but um, that's a huge, huge piece in if you're in an occupation or business or you're self-employed and there's a spiritual base to it, or you're an energy worker or you're a healer, or do you agree with that? I most certainly do. And I think that you need to, I don't look at it as charging for my quote unquote gift. I look at it as charging for my time. And starting out, you know, this is, and I say this a lot to folks is do readings for friends you know, you just want to practice, because we also, when you look back at when you first started, I don't know about you, but I sure didn't have the confidence in it or in myself that I have now. Um, and I double oh, and, no. and I, so we also have to look at the, the rates we're at now are many, many, many years into it. We didn't just hit the floor running with, oh, I'm going to charge blank. Um, yeah, but here's the, here's the tricky thing. So when I wasn't charging a lot, you know, I had just mentioned I got all that flack from the other readers in my community. Right. But then I would have some clients, I would do a reading for them, and they'd stand up and they'd go, well, you're actually pretty good. And I'd say, oh, okay, thanks. And, and they'd say, no, I just thought your prices were so low that you weren't that good. Right. And that's true. So then that's the other piece you have to think about. Right. And that's incredible. I, I agree. People have said, you only charge blank. And, and then they'll say, I didn't think you were as good. Or people will, they think they're going to get more value because it costs more. 
Yes. And yes. That's, yes. Well, remember when we were at the, the workshop where we met and, and the people who were charging these exorbitant rates were not any better <laughs> than the rest of us. Denise is so <laughs> kind. <laughs> They they weren't any more, you know, they didn't have more of a connection to divine. They didn't pull in more people in spirit. It, we were all kind of an equal playing field. But the range of what people charged or, or felt valued to receive was such a wide, wide continuum. Yeah, it really was. It was kind of dizzying. I think you have to find a, a, a price that... Um, is comfortable with you, with, with you and what you are doing. Uh, and I think it takes time and I think you have to work through it, but look at like, if you, if you went into a jewelry store and there was a one carat, nearly flawless diamond and it was on sale for $50, would you buy it? Probably not because you'd be thinking, what's the catch? What's their this is a lie. This is a joke. This isn't really worth, you know, this isn't really flawless. You would be doubting it. But that diamond who was shining in the window with a big price tag going, look at me, this, I'm nearly flawless. I'm, I'm worth this price. You'd actually feel better about paying more money for that diamond. Studies show that people actually feel better when they pay good money for a service because it makes them feel better about using their hard-earned money on an investment rather than something frivolous. Even so, oh, I was just going to say, go ahead. Uh, marketing, buying the the no-name brand. You know, you'll 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 buy brand loyalty, but when you look at the ingredients, it's the exact same product. The only thing is the packaging is different, or the the uh, advertising budget, but, and there's certain things that it's just ridiculous to spend the money on the brand name. There's my frugal kicking in because it's, it's the exact same thing. There's nothing different except the box it comes in. And, and that's a mindset though, that, you know, do I buy this, this product because it, it has all these, you know, this, this um, promotion behind it. I, do you, that, that's a weird thing, but it, it goes along with what you're saying. Yeah. No, look, my, my dad used to work for Procter & Gamble, and he said the generic brand would go, they tore the factories, and the generic bottles would go down the factory line and pump in laundry detergent, and then the Tide bottles would go down the line and pump in from the same thing. Yes. But I will tell you, I have a, I have a really good friend from college whose parents did, did very well. Uh, dad was a professor, mom was a stay-at-home mom, uh, but very, very frugal, and Every single Christmas, there's always that gotta have item, right? Like whether it was the Nike shoes or the yellow Sony Buckman, any 80s kids hear, hear me, whatever it is, there's always that must have, the Atari game system or Nintendo. Every single Christmas, his parents would get him the knockoff brand. <laughs> and it bothered the crap out of him. And now you should see he's he spends so much freaking money on name brand stuff. So I think it's important to be smart with your money in terms of the name brand stuff. But I also think you need to be cognizant of what message you're sending your kids. Yes. There needs to be a balance there. You don't want them into school with the um, like right now, my middle school girls have to wear Converse sneakers. That's the that's the whole thing. You know, so I don't want to send them in with, you know, uh, Kmart kids because not because I care that my kids wear name brand crap because I don't, but I care that my kids are receiving the message of I hear you and I hear what's important in your world right now. Right. Yeah, I know it's shallow and I know it's silly, but it's those little things that build our self-esteem along the road of childhood. Mm -hmm. As pathetic as it is, that's that's the society we live in. So I think there's a balance with the name brand stuff. But um, yes. anyway... We digress, as we tend to do. Um, <laughs> when when you are charging for money or asking for a raise uh, or looking for a new job or seeking a promotion, I think the key is to remember who you are, remember the time and work you have put into your education, your career, and your degree, and to, and to really almost like you are that coach from Rocky and you are just getting yourself back out there even though you've just had to cut your eye open to do it. You know, like you got to just 
pound that energy into you of believing in yourself, even if it's fake and phony and false. And so that when you walk into that, whatever it is, the client meeting, the presentation, the talk with your um, boss, the interview, uh, or even your web designer when you're starting to set your prices for your own business, whatever that is, you need to really be your own cheerleader and champion and remind yourself of who you are and what you are worth. And then ask for it, damn it. <laughs> it, yes, because in, all of the things you've been talking about, they all come back to self-worth, whether it was about your family of origin messages or what you, you feel you're capable of earning or how you manage. Do I need to, you know, that whole reward system is, you know, my life sucks right now. I'm going to go shopping. Um, you know, they, there's there's all of those different parameters, but it always comes back to how you value yourself and what you what you feel is equitable with that energy exchange. Yes. And shifting, you know, we started out the show and, and shifting that mindset is big, big work. It changes everything in your life because as you get into a better place financially or you, you have more, and I, I don't mean this in a puppet strengths kind of control, but when, when you're mastering your money or finances instead of it mastering you, it allows you to have more balance in other aspects of your life. Um, because it's not that constant worry or it's not always hanging over your head and, um, and it's hard work. There is no, it's, there's no magic wand with this one. It's hard, hard work. Um, but it does change everything in your life. Um, Yep. You are saying that so beautifully. My best friend and I, we always joke because we love to read books about like women, you know, going through difficult times and how they triumph through them. And like the last 15 books we've read like that, the woman's going through a difficult time and then she decides to take a break and go to her beach house in Nantucket or she's going through a difficult time and her best friend is like, come with me to France. We'll get away from all of it. You know, so we're always joking, like, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but it sure as hell does buy peace of mind. <laughs> so like whenever we're going through time, she'll go, would money make this better? And we're like, yeah, yeah, it would actually. <laughs> <laughs> dark times financially and her heart was in the right place and she said oh you look so stressed when I do that I just go and get a crushed pearl rub and I feel so much better and I just (laughs) and I thought she doesn't realize both my kids need shoes and I'm trying to figure out how to pay the electric bill she just couldn't she wasn't from that world or in that world but it was just everybody has a different perspective on what soothes their soul when they're stressed out I guess um well I just I wanted to that um so yeah, if you just ask your guides for help with this issue, it will be provided. Uh, I remember when I was, you know, starting out in, in the world of intuition and readings and charging and all of that weirdness, I asked for help. And I was being given mixed messages. You know, like I said, my dad was always like, if you got it, spend it. And my mom was always like, save every mother, love and dying, like we're about to enter a nuclear holocaust tomorrow. And then I married into a family of you know, blue collar police officers who really anyone with, with money, they're just rude, selfish, and awful. And so I had all these mixed messages coming at me and I asked my guides for help. And you know how it is, Denise, when you're doing readings, like if you do a really good reading for one person, they recommend you to like 20 people. So I had this one really, really wealthy client and she ended up referring me to all these really, really wealthy people. Um, people that kind of the kind of wealth I've never seen in my life, like private plane kind of wealth. And I started doing readings for all of these people. And, you know, they, they came into my office and they just, you know, you know, wealthy people are a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and you still know they're wealthy. You know what I mean? There's like that air about them. And they, those, all those women and men taught me so much because they had more money than anyone I've ever known, and they were wonderful and generous and kind, and they did so much good for the community without ever telling anybody. You know, like, they would come in and they would say, like, um, you know, I feel really – and so, so many of them felt bad about the money that they had. And so they would say, like, you know, I had a year this year, and so I um, – 
you know, I gave all my employees a bonus, but then I just was driving home. I remember this one guy, he's, I was just driving home and I was thinking, you know, God, it's just not enough. You've blessed me so much. And I was just driving past this little tiny church and he just dropped in and the pastor was there and he left a check for $25,000. And he never, he didn't even tell his wife that, like he didn't tell a soul, like he wanted it to be anonymous. And I, I, I mean, there's just, these clients that started coming to me would tell me story after story after story like that. Like there's just so many wealthy people out there doing wonderful things. Are there shitty, greedy, selfish, wealthy people? Yeah. But are there shitty, wealthy, greedy, I mean, shitty, greedy, mean, poor people? Yeah. Right. It's about the people, not the, the financial status. Right. Right. And so sometimes I think if you just ask to be taught, you know, you, you will, it's not like your guide's going to appear to you in a dream and say, Samantha, here's what you need to know about money. But they'll start to put people and experiences into your life to teach you that lesson. Two things. I think it's funny as all out is that our stories, you know, they always correlate, but just in a weird twist. My, my background, my ex-husband comes from that, you know, the other side of the tracks, if you want to call it that. Grew up with the country club, grew up with, you know, finances are not a problem, you know, just a very, and it was as difficult for me to step into that world as it was for your, and, and also, you know, growing up, you know, you're generous, you share it, you, you watch out for family, you take care of each other. And to see a different side of that when people may have resources that they're not quite as open with sharing. And I'm not saying that about his, his family specifically, but um, in general. Uh, the other piece though is, you are so spot on with the uh, asking for help. A uh, couple few years back before I, um, I, it was really dark financially and I've, I've shared this with you. So it's not any big hurrah, but, um, and I was sitting at my dining room table and I was crying and I was looking at the bills and I like literally, it, literally put my hands up in the air and crying. And I said, I don't know what to do. Will you please help me? And honest to God, what I heard was pick up the pen and I picked up the pen and I wrote, I am so very blessed with wealth, abundance, and prosperity in all areas of my life. And I just sat there, and this is its kind of embarrassing to say out loud. I'm sitting there with like boohoo and really, a, you know, good, good sob. And I wrote that and I just stopped immediately and I looked at it. And honest to God, it was like somebody flipped a light switch. And all the synapses started firing in a different direction. I thought, this isn't even about money. It's about gratitude. It's about stop right where I am right now and be grateful that, my goodness, my house is warm. There's food in the refrigerator. My car is going to get me from A to B. And literally, all of a sudden, I started getting more calls for people. I started, people wanted to buy things that I had that I had just been sitting in the barn for years. And it was all of a sudden this, this prosperity and abundance. And I write that every single day and it's never let me down. And and that sounds like, oh, you know, get your fairy dust and magic wand. But is truly that that's a key to this is get the hell out of the way and let them help you. Oh, that's powerful. I love that. You need to write that affirmation on our Facebook page. I love the way you word things. If you guys haven't checked out Denise's blog, you've got to read it. It's so well written. It's at thegratefulmessenger.com. It really is. I love it. Um, I think that gratitude piece is key. Um, and I, but I think like thinking about the expectation you have for your situation because I think we create not necessarily what we want but what we believe about a situation right like I remember when I was um going through the first stages of divorcing my husband my friends were like do you have enough money have you saved up what are you going to do And I could see them all projecting this energy of want and lack onto me, you know, because look at the statistics of women going through divorce, you know, and I tried to really not listen to that. And I tried to remember that I've always been the primary breadwinner of this family and I will continue to be and I will be fine. And I kept affirming that. And I had a couple of slips where I was like, oh, wasn't expecting that or didn't plan for that. And I just kept trying to reorient myself to this expectation of all will be well, you know, not saying like, I will be successful and abundant. And, but, you know, not like, not like having this expectation of like, 
thriving financially through that divorce because I'm not there yet with self-esteem, but also not having that expectation of suffering financially through the divorce, you know? And I had a couple of maybe two or three months where I was like, oh, wow, Samantha, you really misjudged this. This is really, really hard. And I was panicking and thinking, what do I do? And a client I've had for years mailed me an envelope of cash. And I had, you know how private I was when I was going through that. I hadn't told anybody. Mm -hmm. And she was like, um, she, I mean, she knew I had just separated. I told her that, but I didn't say like, okay, this is really a lot harder than I thought I was going to, like, I didn't share anything with her. And, um, she just said, I, I really felt that you needed this. And it got me through that bump beautifully. And she wouldn't let me not take it. Because trust me, people, if you know me, I tried really hard to return that because <laughs> I have to work on receiving. Um, but I do think, so I guess what I'm trying to say is check your subconscious underlying expectation of whatever situation you're in. And, and, and pay attention to the words you're saying to people. You know, do you believe that this is going to be hard, whatever it is you're dealing with? Do you believe that, you know, we're in a financially difficult time? Do you pay attention to the doom and gloom on the news? Like, what is your expectation about your life right now? Not what do you want to happen, not what's your fantasy, not what's your goal, but what is your expectation for your finances right now? And try to get that into a different groove or track if it's not where you want it to be. And if you get off track like I've done many times, don't judge yourself and don't stay stuck in that wrong track. Just guide yourself back to track. It's just a constant guiding back and forth. And and the other piece to that, and, and you are the epitome of this, and again, you work your ass off. You work really, really hard. You, I mean, the hours that you put in absolutely astound me. And I'm sure people that know me or listen to this and say, oh, that's, you know, Sure, Denise, why don't you hold up the mirror? Yeah, but exactly. Not- <laughs> I was just about to do that for you. <laughs> it's it's not it's not just okay, now, you know, when I wrote that affirmation and and then all of a sudden that was that that nudge I needed to say, okay, now I need to get to work. Now I really need to like write down what my debts are. I need to look at what I owe. I need to look at what I generate. And and you have to get real with yourself about this. Yeah. And say, what can I do to pull myself up? And with that it, it again comes back to that sense of self and strength that when you get on the other side of it, it's like, if I could do that, I can do anything. Yes. Yes. Um, and I will tell you, my friend who was on her knees praying to God about paying her car payment or her food bill, she after she got through that, she ended up putting her through college and got a really great degree and works at the hospital and has an amazing job right now. And I think that experience was her sandpaper. You know, I always say like negative people in our life are our sandpaper and they're just polishing up to make us shine even brighter. And I think that night of agony was her sandpaper and it's made her shine even brighter. And I think all these negative experiences, all of us have had to struggle with, with money are just sandpaper making us shine brighter with our attitude towards money. Because again, it's an exchange of, that's all it is. And you have to look at your attitude about giving and your attitude about receiving. I am so much more comfortable giving. It's so easy. Everyone's happy when you're giving them something. You feel so good about yourself. You get a little spiritual pat on Mm -hmm. the back. I mean, what's, what's to question about giving, right? But receiving, I have huge issues with that. Um, Everything my mom ever gave me was with big strings attached. My mom would, would go shopping and come home with bags of clothes for me, beautiful clothes, bad. But if I misbehaved once that week, they would all go back to the store. So let's calling Dr. Freud. What was I taught about, you know, worth? (laughs) So I have big issues with receiving because I always think there's going to be a string attached to it. And it's something I'm struggling with. And, um, you know, that client being very generous with me was a a really big stumbling block I had to go through. And there are even moments to this day, over a year later, where I'll lay in bed at night going, did I think her properly? (laughs) Should I something again? Yes. But, but that's that empath piece again of being so sensitive. And I agree. I, it was one of the, this is so silly, 
but I, there was someone that I knew that was in bad financial straits. And for the first time in my life, I was able to just, I, I wired some money and I said, please don't tell anyone. You don't have to explain this if you ever choose to pay it back, but this is a gift. And I was so, and she's, she's a lot like we are in that anyone helping her that was she she sobbed and sobbed and i can't do this and i i said you know what you're going to get to the place where you're going to have this this opportunity to do this for someone else so again it's still you know the giving and the giving but it's it's such if if someone offers to help you and they have the resources and you don't right now be grateful let them help you or or if you're in that position to help someone it doesn't have to be a strings attached thing it can just be you know what? It's there. If it comes back, it does. If it that's doesn't, right. that's fine too. And the receiving piece, though, is is so hard, especially if, and I, again, I'm jumping back to being with a narcissist, where if you did give and give and give, it was always the expectation that you'd give even more. And that ties in with the finances as well of, you know, am I working hard enough? Am I making enough? Am I taking care of everything enough? Um, so that's a huge, huge point to make. Thank you. Yes. Oh, and I wanted to say when you said before, you know, Samantha, you work your ass off. Yeah, I do. But, but I work my ass off because I love what I do for a living. Yes. And that exactly. wasn't always the case. When I was a teacher and I was starting to, to kind of fall out of love with teaching, there wasn't a lot of motivation to work hard because with teaching, you don't, it's not like your department chair or your principal goes, wow, your lesson plans are crazy amazing. I'm going to give you a raise, you know? So there's, you have to have that motivation to work really hard. And so Denise, we need to do a show on creating the career you want to, to talk about how the empath needs to do, you know, work that they want to do Um, because then it's not even working hard. I mean, yeah, like I, there are, I'd say at least three nights a week, I'm up till three in the morning, um, you know, writing or making bracelets or uh, creating e-courses, but I'm not, I'm not sitting at the dining room table writing going, oh my God, this sucks. I'm such a martyr for my work. I'm going, can I, can I stay up another 30 minutes and finish this and still get the kids up at 630? Cause I really don't want to go to bed and stop doing this, you know? So it's exciting work. And you just nailed a really important point. And this has been coming up with a lot of folks I've been talking to lately. When you align with what you came here to do, the finances become much easier to attract. So when you're, when you're vibrating at that frequency of this is what I came onto the planet. I love this. I'm passionate. And I agree this part of my life, you know, the, the, the the juju world, as I call it, is it's it's work. I spend the time. I put the energy, all that stuff. But it's different because I'm vibrating at a different frequency when I'm doing it, and and it is. It's it's fun. It's exciting. I love talking to people. Um, I love being of service. But again, still being in that other world, there's a density to it, and it doesn't attract the same resources. So, yeah, spot on with that. Thank you. Well, and, 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 and watch, you know, kind of uh, who, who you hang out with and, and the messages you get from your friends. You know, we've done enough bashing on our child stuff, right. <laughs> which I feel bad about. But sometimes sometimes our friends and our peers are giving us bad messages. I remember I was complaining about uh, my teaching job early on to my older sister, and she goes, Samantha, it's called a J-O-B for a reason. Mm-hmm. Look up the definition in your dictionary. Job means to work. Mm-hmm. I remember going, thanks a lot. Like I was just trying to complain about I'm stressed out. And so sometimes, you know, you have to look at the people you're complaining to because sometimes they'll tell you, well, you're working. Like, yeah, it's going to suck. No, that's not true. Or are their fears, are their fear-based mentality keeping you stuck in a place that you no longer need to be? Right, right. Exactly. And so sometimes you can start to shift that energy just by shifting the people you are hanging out with and making sure you're hanging around with positive people. None of this happens overnight. None of this happens overnight. You know, you're not going to wake up and go, I think they're right. I think I need to, you know, find happier, more positive friends. And then the next day, you know, Charlie Brown and, and his buddies are waiting. No, that's not going to happen. Although Charlie Brown's not the best example to use in that case. I just realized that. But anyway. 
you're it's going to take time, but it's it's just that slow, gradual awakening to the fact that you are worthy of abundance and you are worthy of giving and you are worthy of receiving. And the one thing I remind myself is the more money that I make, the more money I have to give. Yes. We are serving nobody by staying stuck in lack. I love that. Thank you. I absolutely love that. It's, well, it's 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 helped me a lot because the more success I have, the more people I can help. And I, I tell that to, you know, my clients all the time. I tell it to myself all the time. Um, and, and, and I... I do practice what I preach in that. I'm a big believer in spiritual tithing. I'm a very big advocate of that, and I've seen it work miracles in my life. And that's where mm-hmm. you just take, you know, one, five, ten percent of what you make each month, whatever you feel comfortable that you can't afford, and you just pay it back to anyone that that fed your soul that month. Whether it was a waitress who made you laugh, or a neighbor who listened to you at the mailbox. Or even if it's, um, I remember once I was going through a really difficult time and this show on PBS really got me through that time. And so I made a big donation, not a, well, for me, a big donation to PBS, you know, because mm-hmm. that, that show uplifted me that month. So it doesn't even have to be a person. It, it can be anything. It's what it is. It's the energy of giving back in some way. And realizing that there's enough. Yes. There is enough. Yes. And yeah, I agree with that. And remember, and it doesn't have to be a a set amount. It might be one month you have, you know, you can make this small donation the next month you have. It doesn't have to be all rigid or controlled. It's, it's about flow. Again, we go back to it being about. Yes. And I don't know if anyone is going to agree with me because this is going to sound a little selfish, but Sometimes we need to practice sacredness. Sometimes the best person to give back to is yourself. And it is okay to invest in yourself. It's okay to invest in a massage for yourself for that month or, um, you know, get a facial or join a gym or buy something a little bit nice within your budget, you know, whatever it might be, but it's okay to invest in yourself and it can feel really awkward. Do you know? Okay. So since I, I, you know, I'm I'm divorced the holidays, I find it, my kids get really worried. Like mom, what's going to be under the tree for you. Right. So last Mm -hmm. year, this is so pathetic, everybody, but it, I swear it helped my kids and it gave them a laugh. I bought myself presents and I put them under the tree. And I wrote to Samantha from Santa. Oh, I think that's wonderful. <laughs> because, you know, they're little kids. They don't have a car. They can't go out and shop for me. And, no. you know, they knew their dad wasn't going to be like, oh, let's go shopping for your mother. So I went ahead and did it so that they wouldn't have to worry about it. But it was actually, like, I did feel a little bit that opening up gifts I bought for myself like a month before. But it cracked them up. It lightened up the mood tremendously. And I got a kick out of it. And so that I've started that. I bought myself a birthday gift. And I've, I'm already thinking about what I'm getting myself for Christmas. And I tell, I tell the kids, like, this is what I'm getting myself for Christmas. And it feels so new and awkward and weird. Yes. It's it's good. I th- I think it's good. And it's great practice on that yep. receiving piece. Do you do you want do you want to know what I'm getting myself for Christmas? Sure, okay. I will tell. I'm so excited. I've gotten three estimates. I'm getting my house detailed cleaned. Oh wow. Like crazy detail. Like, that was a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> I know. I've, I've had three teams wow. come over. They, it, they spend five to seven hours in your house. They clean stuff I didn't even know you could clean. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I'm, That's you ha- I've learned you have to get estimates because holy cow, they were very, very different estimates. But anyway, that's what I'm getting myself for Christmas, the gift of oh, not cleaning. That's a beautiful gift. That is a beautiful gift for yourself, especially because that's a, a really, we've chatted, that's a really important piece for you, is the, the deep letter. Yes. So, um, that is not on my list for myself, surprisingly, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, do, you, do you get yourself Christmas gifts? Um, no, 
but I'm working towards last year on my birthday, I did make a special day. I went and found a beautiful piece of malachite. I did like some little gentle things. And that's, again, it doesn't have to be big, but just something to acknowledge that you're worthy and that you deserve this and to take care of yourself. And it, it can be as, as, as little as a bottle of nail polish or as big as, you know, a, planning a vacation. It, it depends on, on, on where you are in your life and what your resources are and, and what you need to feed your soul. Yeah. Oh, last year I got myself a new pair of pajamas because I, I am the worst at spending money on stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's the weirdest thing. It's like, I don't, I don't know. And my kids and I, we watch this, um, we watch this Hallmark movie and we just laugh hysterically at the main character because she always is in silk pajamas. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Mom, how come you don't wear silk pajamas? I'm like, what, these sweatpants aren't good enough for you? So <laughs> I bought myself some nice pajamas. And um, and I bought myself some, like, really good hardback books that I never – like, I, I always wait for paperback. Oh, you yeah. Know, so stupid that, stuff That's like that. a huge gift, getting a nice book. I love doing that. I'll go – that's a big treat. If I've worked really hard, I'll stop at Barnes & Noble and say, oh, I need a new book. So, Yes. I yeah, and then after everything's put away at Christmas and you can just sit on the couch and read and your kids are happy because they've gotten – I love that feeling. So um, as we close out the show, I wanted to just wish all of our listeners in America, I hope you all had a wonderful, happy Thanksgiving. And I wanted to remind everybody as we go into this last week in November and the first part of December, December 3rd is a big day, everyone. It's a full moon and it's the beginning of Mercury retrograde. (laughs) Should be some interesting times. I know. I actually think Mercury retrograde over the holidays isn't so terrible. Yes, Mercury retrograde is in charge of communication. So you just want sure that you choose your words carefully around that dinner table that Denise and I talked about so much um, on the other show about dealing with family in the holidays. Um, but Mercury retrograde is also about slowing down and tucking in and taking a time out. And what better time to do that than the month of December? So again, I think everything is about energy. And if we go into this Mercury retrograde thinking, oh, this is going to suck, then it will. But if we go into this Mercury retrograde thinking, oh, this is such a lovely wintry time to just tuck in and take a break from the go, go, go energy and just revisit some projects I've I've tabled and just, you know, soothe my soul and slow down, then Mercury retrograde will be a really good time for all of us. So that's what I wish for all of you, that it's a that it's a gentle time to just tuck in and, and practice some good self-care. Perfectly said. Well, thank you so very much for listening, everybody. Um, Denise, we might have to revisit this topic again because I don't think we've gotten – I'm looking at my notes and I haven't gotten to half my notes and I'm sure you haven't either. So maybe we should do this again. Probably tie it in with the other show about the career and the creativity and there's so much. We have so much left to talk about. I love this. I know. Me too. It keeps spiraling. I love it. So um, please join us on Facebook, Enlightened Empaths, if you get a moment during your quiet, happy Mercury retrograde. And if you have enjoyed the show, please leave a comment on iTunes because it helps other people to find us. If you want to find out more about us, you can see Denise at thegratefulmessenger.com and I am samanthafay.com. Hope you have a great and wonderful week and thanks so much for checking in with us and we look forward to being back with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.